1: Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome to Motherfucklore, a podcast words. Irish, Irish words, and words from Ireland. I am Dara O'Shea. And I am Pader O'Connor. Wow, what a week, what a day, what a month. What a time yeah. period! <laughs>
0: what a time period! It's all the same. I was kind of expecting you to do the usual, how you get on, because for once something is different. Um, I'm, uh, I'm, I've been challenged. I've been challenged by the uh, Loga who are an amazing Gaelic football and hurling club based oh. out near me, uh, and they have asked me to take part in a challenge they're doing called the Solo Father. Which is basically a solo run, either with a football or with a Schlitter on the Hurley, for five kilometres. Now, Derek, you know me, I I don't run to the fridge. So the training training for this is excruciating. But I'm quite confident that with a few more days training, by the end of the month when the challenge has happened, I will be able to solo run five kilometres in under seven hours, uh, which will be an
1: achievement. Fantastic! Looking oh. for
0: that sub seven hour five k. That's, <laughs> you
1: that's gotta, the goal. You got to get under, under the seven.
0: Got to get under the seven hours. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? This is you, we're talking elite athletes here. You know,
1: definitely elite athletes indeed. No, well, we're all rooting for you, and we're all wishing you well on this um, this feat of endurance and strength.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've um, I I am um, seed a five k and a ten k run. Um, oh. Out in Marley Park in Rathfarnham Farnham last no, year, before last actually. No, well, um, 2019, it went really well. It was great. It was a, a big corporate event um, for one of the large Irish uh, um, corporations. Just every member of the company got to pick a charity and raise money and then go and do either a 5k or a 10k and either walk or run it. And like some of these, some of the times, man unbelievable there were there were people coming in uh running a 10k faster than others were running 5ks like it's unreal like the the amount of the amount of speed and endurance it takes i mean that is that's some real like elite that is definitely under seven hours you know that is uh top tier top tier running that's what i'm aiming for top tier
1: i used to work with a chap who's into this the ireland's fitness family program and he was, I think, I think he tried to get into onto the Ireland's Fitness Family program several times, and he was furious. He blamed his son for not being fit enough. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, "That feckin' idiot!" You know, he's, like, oh, he's ruined it again for me. This guy, he's, he's one of these people, you know. He's like, "Oh, I want you to sponsor me to do like a, a charity kind of cycle around Cuba, or just a, a charity jumping from an airplane." I was like. What? you're having fun not like you know go ahead and raise money for charity but don't just like, make it don't use it as an excuse to have a holiday you fecker
0: guilt me into paying you money to jump out of a perfectly good plane
1: yeah it's, so I mean I um I mean yeah it's a, you get, or grow a moustache for a month or something yeah don't, don't, and like. I
0: did, I did that for a very long period of time I did I did Movember um, like every year for about ten years. In my case, it normally means shaving everything off and then growing mm-hmm. a mustache for a month, and then and then just regrowing the rest of the beard in. Um, fantastic, fantastic cause, fantastic movement. It's 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 just unreal. Like it, like it reminds me so much of the pre-COVID days because the big gala party. Um uh you know at at the end of the the november period was always just a bunch of men with mustaches hugging each other and talking about their feelings it's really really helpful and really healthy and really cathartic and mm. so non toxic it's just a, it's just a wonderful thing
1: definitely i i did remember once years ago and yeah i think it's, it's fun to have a mustache but it's, it it didn't hasn't made mustaches more popular it's probably made them less popular and i think possibly Movember suffered from the beard craze it has done cuz um i i
0: haven't done a full november in a couple of years now because um the beard is in and the beard is big and i i just don't want to lose it at this stage so i still still give money every year to cancer research but um i've just given up on growing the the mow as mm. they as they call it
1: definitely so patter i was um just been thinking of um and dads and all, all sorts of uh, hairiness i was recently going through you know, you know, Spotify looking for some of my old favorites I like in school and I was reminded of Thin Lizzy's one of Thin Lizzy's um, Live and Dangerous album which features a song Emerald. Is
0: there anybody here with uh, any Irish in them? Is there any of the girls that like a little more Irish in them? It's a called Emerald. Down from the ground came
1: the marching men With their shields and their swords To fight the fight they believed to be right Overthrow the overlords And the idea is it's kind of set in this, this battle in, in old Ireland and the idea that the emerald is, has a, some sort of symbolic power, it's a magic gem that these intruders are coming to take. And I was wondering, what's the deal with... Our and emeralds. We don't have emerald mines here. We have many other natural. Um, we have many other nat- natural resources, but we do not have the yeah. green <laughs> gemstone. We're kind of we're kind of bereft of precious stones, all right. <laughs> like we we
0: did discuss on the podcast already how Crookpatrick is full of gold, uh, but apart from that, like we don't we don't actually we don't have diamond mines or sapphire. But probably a good thing to be honest with you, seeing seeing as how our our I, natural resources have been exploited uh, over the last thousand years or so.
1: Batter, if if we had gemstones here, the English might have invaded us. They might have, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that would
0: have been terrible. Gosh, um, yeah. yeah, if we <laughs> if we had gemstones, they might not have left.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, the, like Ireland is of course known as the Emerald Isle, but it is not known as the Emerald Isle because. Um, because there's any kind of valuable gemstones under the soil here, but rather because it's a very verdant and lush and green-looking old country, so it is. Mm-hmm. And, of course, by the time uh, the nickname was coined, uh, which people think originates with uh, William Drennan in
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, in his poem, uh, When Aaron First Rose, which was, uh, what year is it, the 1880s?
1: Um, I I think it was was the 1780s, I I beg your pardon. 1780s, was it? Ooh, ooh, 1780s. Which is... -hmm.
0: By that stage in poetry, um, uh, by that stage in poetry, uh, emerald had become a a synonym for green, uh, a a sort of a poetic um, allegory, like that you were allowed to just say emerald. You didn't have to say emerald green. You could say emerald for green, sapphire for blue, because among the people who were consuming poetry, at that stage they kind of knew what an emerald was and what an emerald looks like, looked like or uh, you know a sapphire mm. or an amethyst or whatever um, for the people who would not have been consuming uh, poetry the uh, the great unwashed hmm. uh, it didn't really matter <laughs> no. I've never seen an emerald I don't know why you're calling this the emerald isle oh are emeralds green are they I'll have to take that on faith thank
1: yeah. you <laughs> green like the colour of a certain kind of cow shite compared to the red of a ruddy red of a horse shite or something like that <laughs>
0: Yeah, but the cowshite Isle doesn't like. False Ireland are not going to go down that route. You know what I mean? Like the the, 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 the cowshite Isle is not a it's not a marketing campaign they can get behind. But the Emerald Isle uh, has caught on because Ireland, obviously. While Ireland's national colour is actually St. Patrick's blue, it's obviously been long associated with uh, the green, uh, and the green flag was the flag of the United Irishmen, it was the flag of um, the Fenians, and it now plays uh, an important part as one third of our national flag, the tricolour. so, look, green is green has been constantly associated with Ireland uh, for many, many centuries. So, this idea of calling it the Emerald Isle was a nice little poetic way of saying that green country at the western edge of Europe.
1: Mm, definitely, and and it's a funny thing. I just I was looking to William Dryden now, a very interesting chap, and I was, I, just, I found the whole at the time the overlap between scientists and poet was 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 particularly interesting. That he was a physicist as well as a poet. And that the lad who discovered sodium was also a poet and a, and a scientist. And this is it's it's, it's in. And now we're so off, we so we so often hear about it, a kind of a, a separation between humanities and STEM. That it's interesting to look back at it to a time when the, those divisions weren't seen.
0: Yeah, and and there's a lot of work obviously to try and redress that division between the creative artistic side of things and the scientific mathematical side of things that people are now talking an awful lot not just about STEM but about STEAM uh, mm-hmm. science, technology, engineering, arts and mathematics and it's it, you know I think that's great but this all comes from a time when like to be a learned individual it was kind of expected that you'd be learned about a whole heap of things mm-hmm. and that uh, a, a man's education and it was always men of course would not just be, or in, in, not just be around science and technology and mathematics and arithmetic and the likes but also around what was called at the time natural philosophy uh, and also um, you know poetry art uh, all that sorts of all that sort of jazz it was it was considered a mark of, of one's position in society to be as well educated not just on your own area of expertise but on as many different things as possible and you'd be expected to have salon conversations with other mm. gentlemen and with ladies about a a vast range of topics. Like you wouldn't want to be called an ignoramus.
1: No, not at all. And no, I just, just look there. The, Humphrey Davy was the chap who identified, who isolated sodium, and he also discovered laughing gas. And he was also a poet, as well as being a scientist. Because did I, he?
0: Did he write any of the poems after Huffing Laughing Gas?
1: If he did, I want to read them because that sounds absolutely (laughs) cracking. Yeah, definitely I definitely got on board with some of that stuff.
0: I wondered lonely as a
1: (laughs) Dave's not here, man. (laughs) I do declare. We don't know Cyprus and copper share an etymology because there was a lot of copper in Cyprus. And there is a there's a theory that's sometimes knocked around but doesn't seem to hold weight. I checked this with some of my friends who who speak Hebrew that sodium and sodom have, share a link because obviously Sodom was a was a massive salt mine and a huge slave economy. Oh, uh, is that why Lot's wife got turned into a pillar of salt? The idea is that you you're you're so obsessed with money, which is salt, we're gonna turn you into money. And Funnily ah. enough, the, the link between uh, Sodom and, and what we call what is now called sodomy is fairly recent, and it was uh, the Sodom. The destruction of Sodom was widely understood for centuries to be a condemnation of a society that lived in luxury that could only be afforded by the exploitation of workers, particularly slaves. Mm-hmm. And that was that. That decadence, and that. I mean, Marquis e. de Sade's book, Hundred Days of Sodomy," it's the, the 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 slavery context, the domination context, the luxurious power context is is, is explicit. And what seems sodomy referring to anal sex comes after that.
0: Yeah, I think they were just looking for a word to kind mm-hmm. of biblicize their hatred of of homosexual inter, uh, intercourse, uh, and sodomy is a lot easier to say than gemara <laughs> So out of Sodom and Gomorrah, they picked on on poor, unfortunate Sodom. I mean, like so- Sodom. Like if you if you are a believer and you read the Bible, Sodom deserved it, but not for those reasons. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. And of course, you, interesting that you said like salt was money. Um, salt, of course, is the root of the word salary. Yeah, uh, which we get from the Roman legions being paid in salt because it was an easily
1: tradable commodity.
0: Yeah. So uh, also earning your salt. Yeah, and, it, you know, and
1: any plumber worth his salt would do this. Exactly. And it's it's funny how that stuck around because I suppose salt does meet all of the most of the properties of currency, which is that it's easily divisible. It's it can be broken down to little bits, the same way these cigarettes as currency in prison because you you know they're more or less identical to each other and they're divisible and they are relatively permanent. But yeah, yeah.
0: I mean the difference being that like I don't know, if, can you enjoy salt on its own in the way you can enjoy cigarettes? I I don't know, I, I'm an ex-smoker, mm. but I really enjoyed cigarettes. I, I would be terrible in prison, mm-hmm. simply because I was like, oh, well do you have anything to trade? No, nope, Smoked them.
1: But. But to, to be to be a non-smoker in prison would be... Would be, you, you'd I'd, rather, be.
0: I'd rather not be in prison,
1: just, yeah. just to
0: get that on the table. My number one choice would be not to be in prison, but yeah. <laughs> uh, after that point, yeah.
1: Um, can you can you short sell Silk Cut Blue or something? Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah stunks. Uh, I do. Like, still, I, I'm still confused. Like, since the GameStop stuff, the Reddit stocks, uh GameStop stuff happened, I've like, I've seen some amazing explanations of it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, friend of the pod, one of our former guests, Bri- Brianna, uh, Brianna Perkins, did an amazing demonstration using cans of Guinness and squishy gummy sweets. Mm-hmm. Because I'm a professional ex financial journalist, I'm going to be showing you with a puppet and a big dirty can of Guinness. Let's go. Uh, and yet, I'm still a little confused by it all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's uh, yeah,
1: it's it's it, an it extraordinary me. yeah. It's fi it's f-
0: a- fiat currency baffles me because at least like when you were paid in salt, right? There's a certain amount of salt available, mm-hmm. and we will divide that up and give that to people, and you can use that, and you have a certain amount of salt, and you can trade that for goods and services. Yeah, you can trade that for rent or whatever. Um so it's all based on the fact that the scarcity of the salt is uh, is what's there. And you physically possess the salt and you pass that on to people. It's yeah. kind of like, it's like we were talking about emeralds. It's like they're valuable because there's not a lot of them. Um, but all of a sudden, if somebody can just say, like if a government can say, we're printing more money, like we're, 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 we're 3D printing more emeralds, so there's more money in the economy and money becomes worthless and you become, uh, that's where you get inflation. Uh, and it's just, this concept is mad. Why have we done this to ourselves?
1: It's it's a strangest thing, and and and, and people have said and, and 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 rightly so that if a if there was a a, a monkey in the jungle that took more bana- harvested more bananas that needed and hoarded them away while other monkeys starved, people would would be doing research on why there was something wrong with that monkey.
0: Yeah, but if a human does it with, uh, um, you know, you stick
1: them the, in the front of your yeah, magazines.
0: Yeah, of course, yeah. Forbes magazine. Like, yeah. They
1: marry Grimes.
0: <laughs> Alright, yeah, listen, I'm not going to be here when the uh, Elon Musk stands, uh come for you.
1: Look, if Elon Musk listens to this podcast and gets upset... <laughs>
0: It's really, I'm not worried about upsetting Elon Musk. Like, the worst thing he could do is, you know, call you a paedophile uh, in front of his millions of supporters. Because um, he's actually done that. Uh, the mm-hmm. I'm, I'm worried about the one Elon Musk fan listening who, like, some for some, I don't know, something about billionaires, it makes people crazy that they mm-hmm. need to go out there and defend why Jeff Bezos and Mark Zuckerberg and Elon Musk have so much money. They go like, they worked hard. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. Well done. You still have too much money.
1: Yeah. Like, and yeah, and then what really gets me when you hear about people, billionaires who live frugally, it's like, that makes it even worse.
0: <laughs> I'd be a terrible billionaire.
1: Mm-hmm. I wouldn't I'd be a billionaire awful. for long.
0: I'm, no. <laughs> the easiest way to become a millionaire, of course, is to start off as a billionaire.
1: Mm-hmm that's what they say that's what that's what richard branson said i uh, asked him how to become a millionaire and he said be a billionaire and start an airline be a
0: billionaire yeah yeah mm. uh, but, uh, start an airline but yeah.
1: yeah the um so the thing is argentina is famously the land of silver and the and, and massive fucking inflation sorry just this is, the, <laughs> this is the thing in that that, and i know there was a um there was there's a theory that somehow find they 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 thought that finding huge silver mines in the Spanish thought the finding huge silver mines in Argentina and Uruguay would basically make them rich enough to have this powerful army, but it just made silver less viable And this is the thing, and this is why, um, and why why some countries have their word for money comes from our word for silver, and some kind con- yeah. like ourselves, good. yeah, Harrogate.
0: Well, Go. like we didn't have a we didn't have a concept of money until the the Northmen came. Uh, like we, we had an economy, but it was largely a barter economy and the, the value of things was calculated either in the equivalent value in cattle or slaves. Mm-hmm. So those were your units of currency, a cow or a cool uh, or which was mm. a female domestic slave, um, mm. so that and and like your um, your value as as a as a person, you standing in society was 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 uh, it was basically accounted for in those terms. Like we had a, a form of wear guilt. Um, that's the Anglo-Saxon word for it. But uh, in in Ireland, if you killed someone, you could pay. Uh, basically effectively a, bro- a blood ransom to mm. their family. And it was calculated in in cows, slaves, land. Uh, and then when the Norse arrived and set up cities in uh, Waterford and Dublin and set up harbours in other parts of the country, they arrived with hack silver, valuable metal that they would cut off into little bits, the precursors of coins, and it was their money. So they traded silver for things. And silver, of course, has its uses. It's a very versatile metal. It's a very pretty metal. It makes jewelry. It makes uh, other things like utensils and the likes. Um, So it was a valuable metal, intrinsically value. So our word for money, Arrogate, is the same as our word
1: for silver. Mm -hmm. And in other countries, not quite so. I, I just assumed that the German word Geld for money was from gold, but it's not.
0: No, it, actually, it comes from old German um, and, and old Dutch. Um, and basically w- what it means is um, reward or, or gift. And it originally comes from um, a, a word very similar, geld, in Proto-Indo-European, which means to pay. So in essence, the money was was a guarantee of payment. So it's kind of like a, like they've always called it geld uh, mm. and it was a promise of payment uh yeah it's not related to the actual substance that's that's being used
1: it's just funny that though that as with so many kind of um folk etymologies it, it leans so closely to a similar word like that to just it's
0: tempting to just go for it like and just say oh well it must come from that
1: hmm. we'll be right back after this short message from another great head stuff podcast network show spice bags takes us into the magical, mystical world of Irish foodstuffs and beyond. Spice Bags is a podcast about food in Ireland from an international perspective. Hi, I'm May. I'm an American food writer, and I'm with my friends Blanca, a chef from Spain, and Dee, an Irish food editrix. And we are the Spice Bags, three sassy ladies with a lot to dish up. Join us for the chats. Precious jewels, and I suppose, and like I like emeralds. And are, these were some of, the, some of the boons of colonialism. And while there was, there were em- emeralds in ancient Egypt. Though we, um, it, it seems that they the really, emeralds really became a thing with the exploration of South America. Did they?
0: Th- I'm fascinated. I this didn't know thing. that.
1: But there were emeralds in northern Egypt. And this is this leads to the fact that Ireland may not have been the first emerald isle.
0: Well, no, there is um, there is an island uh, called um, Zabargad. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Sorry, I'll get this full name right now. Uh, Giziret el Zabargat. In English, it's known as St John's Island. Um, And it's the largest of a group of islands in Fowl Bay in Egypt. Um, And it is known as the Emerald Isle. It's nicknamed the Emerald Isle um, because it had peridot and emerald mines on it. And what I find really interesting about that is um, Zabargat. The uh, the the name for it, uh, Zabargad, is so similar to the Irish word um, for emerald, which is Smaragd. Ooh! So I mean, they they share a root word in the original uh, in the original. Um, I don't know. I suppose it was would it have been Proto Arabic. I don't know what they would have been speaking in in Egypt at the time. Uh, mm. But the first name for for emeralds uh, were, was was quite similar to that. That's smaragad um kind of kind of sound um like emerald uh, i don't really know where does the um where does the name even come from i
1: think <laughs> yeah i, I think it, it did trickle through from it did trickle through from the, from arabic or or um ah, ancient greek hebrew words oh no, no, no greek ancient, too.
0: Ancient, ancient greek smarag smarag Smaragdos, a green gem, which originally comes from a Semitic language, probably what was spoken in and around ancient Egypt at the time. So Smaragdos uh, gave us the Latin Smaragdus, uh, which then became in vulgar Latin, the Latin spoken in the Middle Ages, Esmeraldas or Esmeralda. Uh, and then uh, Old French gave us Esmerode. And then from Esmerode we got Emerode and then emerald. Um mm-hmm. so there you go so th- there's the original Emerald Isle for you Zabargad um, and then that word Zabargad is is sort of, it's still with us in a sense in Smaragad, the, the Irish, which is a lot closer to that Semitic and ancient Greek uh, root. Mm. I like that. I didn't know that. And I had very rarely had the reason to use the term uh, emerald in, in, in Irish because mm. like, we don't have that precious stone here. It's not domestic. It's not indigenous to Ireland. And we don't, when we're talking about emerald green, we don't use the, the the comparison with the stone in Irish. Emerald green in, in Irish is ioglas, so the emerald isle is ilan ioglas Um So mm-hmm. yeah, so emerald as the colour uh, is 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 a different concept in Irish, and it kind of it just shows you like a, across two different languages, concepts don't necessarily always match up.
1: Mm-hmm. Of course, and you, you find that some something might be there might be benign or malign associations between a certain um, element or animal or or place or time of day in one language that doesn't match to another. Mm-hmm. So, not a million miles away from the Emerald Isle on the coast of Egypt is the island of Lesbos, which is also considered sometimes called the Emerald Isle.
0: Yeah, and and Lesbos is called the Emerald Isle for the same reasons Ireland is. Compared mm. to the other Greek islands, it's quite verdant. It's it's a very leafy um, island. Um, so yeah, so Lesbos, um, which of course gave its name to um, lesbianism. Yeah, uh, for example, because it was the home of the ancient Greek poet Sappho. Yeah, and Sappho was renowned for being a gay woman, mm. uh, and so from that we get the term lesbian even though if if you're from lesbos i think you're a lesbosian i don't think you're automatically a lesbian if you're from Lesbos.
1: this is one of these contested terms because of, because of, of of greece's um of, of ancient greece's place in society you find a lot of words have um for places for being from parts of greece or for even from certain islands of italy have, have an additional meaning which which is which is the English language, and it has been the case. So I think there, I think a Greek MEP did raise the point uh, that people from Lesbos should be the only ones entitled to use the word lesbian, which fell flat because you do have yeah. you do have lesbian architecture in classical architecture. There's lesbian columns, mm. which are from the island, which are found on the island what, of Lesbos. What's that?
0: Like a, a lot of throw rugs? <laughs> 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 if you say salt, so, salt lamps, loads of salt lamps. <laughs> um, yeah, the um, the the like Spartan, for example, yeah. springs to mind. Like, because like Sparta was obviously a place, but mm. Spartan now means austere yeah, and, and very poorly furnished.
1: Sardonic, as uh, that's oh, more. Yeah. yeah, that's from from Sardinia mm-hmm. because they were such smart, Alex.
0: There you go. They were.
1: Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, I don't know if Alex. they
0: still are. Like, I don't know if they still
1: are. I've been to Sardinia a couple of times. It's a, it's a fantastic and underrated island. Um, I actually, you know, yeah, it's, uh, it compares favorably to Sicily.
0: I've never been to either. I'll take your word for it, but I know you've been to another island, um, Phu Quoc.
1: I have indeed. I visited the island of Phu Quoc off of Vietnam. I had a great time there many years ago before all this stuff happened. And, and I uh, I remember people thinking, you know, like black pepper is black pepper. I mean, how could one kind of pepper be better than another? But there, they, the island's local pepper was is considered a delicacy. I thought, oh, you just put it in your chips, or you put it in your, in your, on your. On your your foe in the morning, and but I was amazed at how nice the pepper was, and it is also called an emerald Isle. Yeah, it's
0: called the Emerald Island, uh, and again for the same reasons, it's hmm. a very lush green. Um, place, uh, a very really lush green island. And uh, of course, Emerald Bay is one of the most famous resorts on Phu Quoc. Uh, and yeah, you've just mentioned pho, so I'm starving because that's the one thing I really, really miss about having to get on the bus and go into work in the city centre is a little Vietnamese restaurant on Capel Street called Al Baba, which just did amazing pho.
1: I love pho now and I had, a, yeah, I just, it was particularly, you often have it for breakfast there in Vietnam, mm. as opposed to maybe it's, it's traditionally presented maybe as a, as a lunchtime dish in lunch or dinner, because yeah, it's, or it's or quite dinner. savoury, you mm-hmm. know,
0: it's, um, and filling. But I, w- I think I'd eat it for three meals a day. It's unreal. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another Emerald Island um, that's worth mentioning as well. Actually, there's a few worth mentioning, but one uh, one of the largest uh, islands in the world, the second largest island off the uh, coast of the United States is Kodiak Island uh, off the coast of Alaska. Oh, Again, also known as the Emerald Isle. Well, um, is
1: that verdant too?
0: Yeah. It is because it's it's in the more temperate part of Alaska, um, so it's not ice covered all all year round, uh, and because it has very obvious uh, green trees, um, it can it can be uh, it can be quite quite green at times. There, it's got a lot of mountains which are obviously snow capped, and mm-hmm. it's got some glacial areas as well. But um, the mountain sides can be quite green. Um, So yeah, so it's called the Emerald Isle as well. Another nickname for that. And then, of course, um, there are uh, places actually called Emerald Isle. There's three of them. There's a village in Ontario. uh, There is a a small town in North Carolina in the USA. And then there is an Emerald Isle in the Parry Islands. and, like, it's way up in the Northwest Territories. Uh, it's one of the Canadian Arctic Islands. So I have no idea why that's called the Emerald Isle. Probably just because it sounds nice. Because yeah. it ain't that green up there. Because it's very cold.
1: I'm reminded of Greenland being, um, not green. And being a market employed uh, by the Vikings.
0: Yeah, that was, that was, uh, Leif Erikson. The first ever travel agent.
1: Um, <laughs> Spacious island. It,
0: yeah, no, seriously, his, his dad, Eric the Red, um, mm. uh, f- found, uh, I think, was it Eric the Red who found Iceland? Leif Erikson, his son, apparently visited North America and everything, like, you know, so did St. Brendan. Um, so we were there first. Uh, no biggie, no biggie. Um, but yeah, he wanted to encourage people to settle on Greenland. Uh, so he called it Greenland and these are people on Iceland going, well, Iceland's not bad but I mean, it's kind of mm. icy so if we were to go to Greenland that, I mean, that must be absolutely, and then they got there and it's like oh man, the only <laughs> food is fucking walrus
1: But you've signed the papers, lads signed <laughs> <Like> the
0: fa- <laughs> What are you going to do? Turn <laughs> around? <laughs> God, yeah, lads no, uh, Lee the f- the patron saint of travel agents. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'll bad! So there's um the the song where we, where we get the Emerald Isle from. I mean, I, I, and we don't know how how aware William William Janin was of some of these other Emerald Isles. Possible as, as as a student of the classics, that he would have been aware aware of Egyptian and Greek history, and mm. you may have come across those names before. But when it was referred to Ireland, it stuck. And particularly, the something that interested me was that well, there's a tradition in music of kind of callback songs or clapback songs, or where one song is kind of a, a reference to the lyrics of another, like famously, Joy Division wrote Love Will Tear Us Apart because the singer hated the funk song Love Will, Love Will Keep Us Together. Oh, really? Yeah. That's amazing. And there are other, there are there's other answer songs as well. I'm just I'm, I'm just trying to think of another one or two other ones. Um,
0: what um, was the your man uh, Eamon, had a song? Um, I, d- I don't want fuck you back. It, I don't want you back.
1: Yeah.
0: No, no, no. And then, um, who did? Uh,
1: the girl allegedly referred to in the song didn't answer back, and it that, that, that was also mysteriously on the same label. How about that?
0: Yeah, but a, a, a woman called Frankie put out a song called F-U-R-B, Fuck You Right Back. So, yeah, she claimed to be Eamon's ex-girlfriend, uh, but Eamon said uh, that it was not so. Uh, and were they on the same label?
1: I think they may have been, because Eamon, I know Eamon was, he seemed like a nice guy. He was, uh, obviously, we, we thought, oh my God, there's a lad called Eamon. And I can't remember if, if, if Ciara was already a star, and that all these Irish names are turning up in in in, in, in American pop music. But he was, his parents named him after Eamon Cochran. Oh, really? Yeah, I do remember that small bit of trivia from his interview with The Ticket many years ago. But I think... um, the, the, His name
0: is Eamon Doyle. I mean, that's a... That's as Irish as you get.
1: It certainly is, but if he was a New Yorker, and but so anyway, the, the idea of of answer songs. There's an England swings like where I nowhere else do. There's a, an answer song to that called Ireland swings like where I nowhere else can. <laughs> and so, and I, I and I know Panic in the Disco is written not so much as an answer to a song, but as a kind of response to a DJ who had played Wake Me Up Before You Go Go right after announcing that Chernobyl had happened. So, and uh, the so news. Panic at the
0: Disco are named because
1: of no, the No the, the songs by the Smiths, Panic of the Disco is written by the band wrote it after basically the Chernobyl disaster up announced on the news, and then the um and then the DJ said, Ooh, how about that o- that over in Russia now? Wake me up before you go go. And they the band wrote that and then Panic at the Disco has since become a band name as well. But yeah, it has.
0: It, So they're are they are they named after the Smith song then?
1: Yes. Makes sense.
0: I feel like we've gotten Ever so slightly off topic. Where were we? Was it emeralds? I, think I was. It was emeralds. I was
1: talking about answer back songs. Specifically, oh, when yeah. a- when Aaron first rose, there's um, it appears to be kind of a, a clap back or an answer back to *Rule Britannia*. Specifically, the opening lines of *When Eren First Rose*.
0: When Aaron first rose from the dark swelling flood, God blessed the green island and saw it was good. The emerald of Europe, it sparkled and shone in the ring of the world's the most precious stone.
1: Yeah and then when whereas the opening lines of, of Rural Britannia are when Britain first at heaven's command rose out from the azure main this was the charge of the land and the guardian angel sang the strain it's kind of a um it's almost the it, it, the idea of of uh, of a country rising up from uh, being being pulled out of the waters at the com- at a celestial command is kind of there, but the real Britannia obviously has been getting a little bit of discussion recently, uh, in terms of its uh, its place in people's hearts. And has it now, yeah, a little bit, it's in the discourse, isn't it's, it? It's a a discourse, talk,
0: a discourse,
1: a landini kind.
0: a landini kind for real Britannia. Mm-hmm. Like, first of all, Rural Britannia is an awful song. Yeah it's just a very, very poor song. And it's just like like, like I think that anybody who's proud of, of Rural Britannia kind of ignores the fact that like rural Britannia, Britannia rules the waves. Uh Britons never, never, never will be slaves. And it's like, hang on a second now. I thought you guys were proud of the fact that you supposedly ended the slave trade. Mm-hmm. You know, why are you writing about how badly slaves are treated if, um, you know, if you don't, if you don't think that, you know, slavery is a good thing. So it kind of, look, accept it, take take it. it, was, it was, it's from a period in time. I, th- I think Britannia waves, the rules would be closer to um, accurate this these is, days. Hmm. But um it is what it is. These things were written in the past and, you know, you don't need to glorify hmm. it to accept that it's there and it's a part of history. But I mean, I don't get singing that. Unironically, now at this stage, like I mean, but, that said, I have unironically sung songs that claim Ireland are going to win the World Cup. So perhaps there's a little bit of patriotic uh, jingoism that's allowed. I, I don't know. Well, uh,
1: Britain wasn't a great military power. wasn't it wasn't a great military power at the time the song was written, and it seemed it was more like a kind of a cheerleading to encourage uh, at a rise in British naval power more than an actual celebration of existing British naval power. And the, yeah and but then the worst thing that happened was they got good mm-hmm. <laughs> they got good at being bad by stealing our trees <laughs> <clears throat> yeah but this is the, th- the other thing is the idea of um, of Britannia as opposed to England is a key point I, I believe it was written by a Scotsman who wanted to ingratiate himself in the idea of, um, of of English society by talking about Britishness that's, that's bastard bad. I know the idea of, 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 of the idea of of, of, of Britain as, as a as a place with a single with a, a single identity is something that seems to accelerate with the idea because this is before the Act of Union.
0: No, no, it's before the Act of Union with Ireland, mm-hmm. but but Britain was was one kingdom since James the sixth of Scotland and first of England. Okay. So, I mean, there were there were loyalist monarchist um, Scots um and yeah James Thompson, apparently um who um yeah died in England lived in England for a long period of time he died in London mm-hmm. Richmond upon Thames just outside London um so yeah he's uh, he's he's commemorated on the the Scott monument so he's acknowledged as one of Scotland's most important poets of that time um but he's no Rob Burns like you know, no this in, is the thing in, in and Britannia.
1: It, and you know, and our our English friends—they have Jerusalem. Jerusalem's a fine tune. Oh, it's a bop. Yeah, they play it. They play it at the.
0: Um, they play it as the anthem at the cricket matches. It's the better. England's test matches. It's, it's it's way
1: better. Better than God Save the Queen, and it's better than Robert Tanya's. Mm. Lads, friendly <laughs> bit of advice from your neighbours. <laughs> Go to Jerusalem.
0: <laughs> Go to Jerusalem. Yeah.
1: Unless it's problematic for some reason.
0: <laughs> I mean, until we've built. What until we have built Jerusalem on England's green and pleasant land. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's nice, like, you know, the, the kind of the sentiment of Jerusalem is like, let's build a really good country. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's nice, as opposed to the sentiment of Royal Britannia, which is like...
1: <laughs> Everyone <laughs> else the, is an idiot. Yeah,
0: yeah, let the sun never set on the British Empire. Like, we, we you see that land? Mm-hmm. We own it now. We own it now. It's ours.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What now. land? Yeah, what monuments? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs>
0: those are those are my marbles now, mm-hmm. or I'm not the Duke of Elgin. Oh, oh mate, you've lost your marbles! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, the the Greeks look. Just give <laughs> it back to them. Yeah, just give it back to them.
1: Give Greek stuff back to the Greeks.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But um, Emerald Isles. There is one more I wanted to mention, though. Okay. Um, so, are you familiar with the concept of a phantom island? A phantom island? No, but a phantom island. So there's a very famous phantom island in Irish uh, mythology and literature called High Brazil or High Oh, yes and it only appears once every seven years off the west coast of Ireland and according to some stories it's populated with uh, beautiful Amazonian women. In other in other uh, legends it's it's essentially Tirnanog uh, but it, it's, a, it's a very old and long-standing myth in the Irish sort of cultural tapestry this phantom island that appears and phantom islands are logged all over the place. It's when a ship of the sailing age uh, found a, an island sighted an island, didn't land on it or Anything, and they charted it, and then other people went back, and there was absolutely no uh, no sign of it. Um, so there was a there was a ship, a, a British ship, on a sealing expedition. That is not shutting things up. That is murdering seals. That's that's what sealing is in this context. Um, uh, it was captained by uh, a merchantman called uh, William Elliot, and in December eighteen twenty one they discovered a phantom island south of Macquarie Island between Australia and Antarctica. Uh, And of course the name of that ship was the Emerald. So they gave this phantom island the name. Well, they didn't know it was a phantom island at the time. Um, they gave it the name Emerald Island, and they marked it down on the charts. An undiscovered island. Class, lads, we just found this place. is deadly. And they headed off on their sealing expedition and went back to wherever they were going. And for decades afterwards, people tried to find this island, and they couldn't. Uh, so it was classified as a phantom island. Um, so like a ghost uh,
1: word in a dictionary.
0: Well, more like a paper town you know what i mean that it was marked on someone's map mm. and and then and then just wasn't there like uh, but they went looking for for like 1821 it was the like the most recent exibi- exhibition exhibition no expedition that's the word. That's the word you're looking The for. most recent expedition to go and find it was in 1909, like was in the 20th century. Like, you know, there, there are people alive whose parents were alive when the Nimrod, the USS Nimrod, went looking for Emerald Island. So it really, it, it was an endearing myth that this island and the location of this island and um, interesting footnote to it, like it was, it even appeared on maps as late as uh, 1987, um, American Express put out a souvenir uh, desk calendar with Atlas and I don't know what base map they were using but they included Emerald Island on it. I mean it could have been, I mentioned earlier on paper towns, I don't know if you've ever heard of the concept of paper towns.
1: Just towns like this in paper.
0: Well, yeah, but there there are specific sort of thing. like there used to be huge rivalry among map makers um, Mm -hmm. before the existence of satellite photography and the likes. Making a map was a very challenging thing. So the last thing you wanted to have uh, was some fecker cajun all your work and basically copying your maps and putting them out as his or her maps. So what you do is you'd invent a town. You just put in, in the middle of nowhere where there was no town, you just write in a town. Put an L petrol station into it or something like that and just, and it would only appear on your maps. And then if somebody else released a map. You'd go and you'd buy such and such as atlas and open it up, and sure enough, there's the town that you've put in the middle of nowhere. Thereafter, copying your work, paper towns. John Green wrote a book called Paper Towns, based on loosely, somewhat loosely, on the phenomenon. John Green, who wrote uh, The Fault in Our Stars, he's uh, he writes, he oh. writes weepy love stories about people who are always dying. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's one book called Paper Towns, and that's that's the the root concept. Yeah. So Emerald Island, maybe a paper island, maybe a phantom island. Who knows? But it's only called that because the ship was called Emerald. It's not called it because it was green. It's not called it because it had precious stones
1: or any connection to Ireland at all. Nah, nothing. It's interesting to see. It's a name that has endured, and it's funny at that. that I suppose people, most people, are completely unfamiliar with the this, the source of the actual name. I'd say most people, people will be very unlikely to know when 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 Aaron first rose. If you asked them on on, on Main Street in Dublin or Cork today, but that's that's where Emerald oil comes from. And it's all about the green. It's all about the green, but... That's
0: it. Uh, I mean, the... There's a wonderful little turn of phrase because, like when Aaron first rose, is it's it's kind of it's all about the United Irishman. It was came out on the eve of you are right, like in the late 1700s, came out on the the eve of the 1798 rebellion, and William Drennan was involved with that movement. Um, but there's some lovely little lines in it, like "Alas for poor Aaron, that some are still seen who would dye the grass red from their hatred to green." So that's the association of green with Ireland, and green was the United Irishman. It was the green flag, so this was the green country and the Brits would come and dye the grass red with the blood of, of the Irish. Uh, and then he uses the famous phrase at the very end of the second last verse of the poem uh, Arms of Aaron be strong but be gentle as brave, and uplifted to strike, be still ready to save. Let no feeling of vengeance presume to defile the cause of, or men of, the Emerald Isle.
1: Just As true today,
0: <laughs> it's 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 unreal though that it's um it's what 240 something years old nearly two, nearly two and a half centuries old and it's stuck around mm-hmm. as uh, as a nickname for the country so i mean well done william drennan nobody remembers you unfortunately but uh we remember that one one little very clever turn of phrase you came up with so mahu
1: Mahu, Mahu indeed. And before we wrap up, Patter, is there any I can um, anything Askale the one with that's, that's rocking your world? Hold on, you do this.
0: I should know this is coming every
1: you week. You should, but yes. I'd say it's uh, rocking my world. Our own Jean yeah. is making masks and mm-hmm. doing a bit of yeah. stitching, uh, doing a bit of tailoring on on nose. But she has a she has her own mask shop. Which is uh, foolan? Which is on the Instagram. In fact, we're going to put the tag for that in our show notes, which you should totally oh, check
0: the out. Foolan. Uh, that's fool as in sewing, not fool as in hate. We don't yeah. hate it; we love but it. We don't hate it; um, we love it. Look, just in just enjoying all the Kirkl Korod that are happening out there. People taking the opportunity to use this this time when we're shut away um, and I just uh, saw a wonderful tweet can't remember who it was from but just somebody saying that they're in a, a class of Gaelle culture on a Monday evening and just how supportive uh, and brilliant it is so not content that I'm consuming myself uh, well I'm consuming your tweets tweet to me about your wonderful experiences learning Irish
1: uh,
0: <laughs> Don't tweet to me about when you learned Irish in secondary school, because we've done that. Um, but yeah, uh, no, enjoy enjoy yourselves. Now is the time, if you are in the privileged position that I am, where you're able to work from home and you're not sick uh, and you've got some time in the evenings, um, I think it's a fantastic opportunity to improve yourself, to, to improve yourself sounds a bit preachy, doesn't mm-hmm. it? But to take on a new skill, try a new thing. Yeah. And it might be, it might be the cupola fuckle, that'd be class.
1: Absolutely, that though. What could possibly go wrong? (laughs) And on uh, on that ominous note, (laughs) Uh, on that uh, ominous note, uh, it's a slant from me.
0: (laughs) Oh, the a slant (laughs) where I'm sure.
1: Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Motherfucker comes out every Friday on the Headstuff Podcast Network. Thanks, as ever, to Brian for
0: producing and to the amazing Kirsten Shield for doing the art. Uh, the amount of talent that woman has and how she applies it to our bullshit at such short notice every week is absolutely remarkable. So, I mean, go and go buy her art. Make her a, a world famous... Uh, no, we don't. I don't know. Would we lose Kirsten if she became world famous overnight? If she was the next Andy Warhol, would she still do our little drawings? Yes great okay go buy kirsten chillard buy it now
1: thanks absolutely and please if you enjoy this episode um there are this bonus content which we put out on patreon patreon supporters in addition for their generosity and keeping the actual show going and we'll get access to some bonus content and if you can check it out on patreon.com forward slash derek
0: drop us a whatsapp voice note uh use the number that's in the show notes um Tell us what you think of the Emerald Isle. Tell us what you think of Rural Britannia. Go on, I dare you. Uh, tell us what you want to see in a future episode. We'll be getting back to Luganamnika at some stage in the coming weeks. Um, it's nice to just take a little break from that subject every now and again. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think. Uh, voice notes via WhatsApp. Numbers in the show notes. Karameen Amogov.
1: Karameen Slán. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's probably because of all the riding